welcome to another episode of Jason and Bart Show. Hey, we have a guest finally. Jason, finally. Yeah, we do. Yeah, who do we have? I want to introduce to the, to the audience today, Adam Kushaba. Just Ooh. learned how to say his last name correctly, even though I probably didn't say it correctly. Uh, <laughs> he is the director of business development at Expand the Room, uh, a remote digital agency. Uh, he is located here in the great city of New York. Um, a fellow Ranger fan. And I'm going to have to say it. He's just left of Karl Marx. So if, uh, if anybody wants to jump in there, leave your comments down below. <laughs> let, let YouTube have at it. Let, go, go nuts, YouTube. Uh, go nuts. Um, no, we're here, to, we're here to talk a little bit about um, going old school. Uh, environments are changing for digital agencies. The sales cycles are changing. And Adam's been doing this for a really long time, very successfully. Um, and in some of the conversations we had had, you know, he started to talk to us about, um, you know, what's old is new again, and, um, maybe some tactics that our audience can utilize to, uh, navigate through uh, a very different sales environment than we've probably, uh, been dealing with the last couple of years. So Adam, welcome. Golf club. Welcome to our show. For you. Yes. Am, welcome, I, am I the first, am I the first guest you've had? You are the you very are first guest, sir. Oh it. man, what an honor. This is killer. This is it. It's great. This is it. I love it. Um, so I guess I guess comrades. You are. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um I guess I guess we're you know, let's start it, let's start at the beginning, which is um, you know, we've given you a really poor intro here. If there's any background you want <laughs> to give us around uh around you, and then and then you know, we'd love to jump in and just start off with what what do you see? What do you see out there yeah. as you start of navigate um, the environment? Yeah. Hey, look, intro, intro is great. I give you an A plus killer. Uh, you, you nailed the pronunciation. Um, wow. Where do I begin? So, uh, I guess it's funny. I was on, I was literally on a call right before we started doing the show with someone just talking about sales tactics and they were like, Hey, you know, I've, I've seen your name around and you know, what, what the heck do you do? So I guess the, the, the quick version is, uh, prior to my life at expand the room, uh, I worked in marketing and, and to some capacity sales, in music and entertainment. And I, th I think, I know, that has really informed the way that I approach relationship building, which all sales is relationships. I don't care what anybody says. Um, and just doing the tactics and, and you know, the day-to-day -day of, of, of what we do. Uh, I've been in Expand the Room now for, for 13 years. Um, as you mentioned, we're fully remote. It's not due to the pandemic. We actually went remote in 2018. Uh, and we were pretty lucky that we did it when we did uh, able to get our our act in order before the world shut down and everybody had to kind of figure it out on the fly. Um, what am I seeing now? So it's it's pretty interesting. Bart knows, you know, he's part of a a, a great monthly call with some other um, digital agency owners and, and salespeople. And Jason, you and I have talked. You know, last year was funky, like mm. like funkier than than i remember it i mean I, I think i think at the end of the year we were all going around sharing like our word for for the year on how business was and i just said it was weird yeah um you know we all experienced those dropouts in business and radio silence in july and august because people are on vacation and it's the summer and it is what it is and you mm -hmm. expect it like post-covid man those cycles are out the window <laughs> um you know last year mid-may it got super quiet for us at Expand the Room, uh, and it extended well past August into September, and it was pretty gnarly for a bit. You know, mm -hmm. we were like, 
having senior team meetings about, you know, what is this, is this going to sustain? Like, what do we have to do with our team? And in October, it was like a faucet turned on and it was just crazy busy for the end of year, which might be the only trend I've seen continue in this pandemic era is it feels like Q4 is going to be the new, like, like bigger than years previous to that, like the big money drop, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to have, like, we always talk about pent up demand and all that stuff. And it happened again. And this year, you know, January was weird. <laughs> and yeah. and now things are starting to shake loose. Um, so, I mean, I'm, you know, when I think about going old school and, and we'll get into what, what, what exactly the hell that means. Um, I just think, you know, now that we're, I guess, you know, I'd say last summer was when things started to feel a little bit more normal where clients were in the office three days a week and they mm-hmm. were open to meeting you know, sales teams and, and, and agencies in person, you've got the ability to do some things that and flex some muscle memory that none of us have done in a really long time because we've been living in this little digital, you know, Zoom, Google Meet box yep. for the better yep. part of three years. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I'm seeing. I mean, it's, you know, I'm the first to say, like, I'm not an economist. Um, I will not even pretend to play one on TV. Um is this a six month inflation recession? I think one of our friends on our call, Bart, called it a tech session, which I think is a really interesting and cool term because it's it's definitely tech pullback from all the overhiring and the overspending yeah. they did in 2020 and 2021. Is it six months? Is it 12 months? Does it even matter? Are we a lagging mm-hmm. indicator and we're just going to keep selling gangbusters? You know, you just got to keep doing the hard sale work and, and just, you know, keep working at it. You can't let those that outside noise get you down yeah i think it's it's pushing into i mean it's it's right-sizing the the industry itself too right like you know a year ago we were like oh my god these all jason and i talked about this it's like oh my god all this pricing all this like money is floating around and people getting paid insanely and double their salaries and then by the end of the year it started being opposite you know yeah i mean how how funny was that we were having conversations in march and april last year Mm-hmm. About engineers, engineers wanting two to three times their salary. Yeah, yeah. And then by the end of the year, it was like you know, hit a pinata and developers will fall out. Like they were just there were resources available everywhere because everyone yeah. was getting laid off. By the way, that's, great mostly, visual. that's a great visual yeah. that we should we should build at some point. I mean, it's developer it's pinata. Wrong. <laughs> You're uh, not wrong, sir. It's it's interesting. I I I agree. I think um, I think we're seeing a tech session. That's a good term. I, I think that I think we're seeing that now because I think they're the first ones to feel the pain because they were so wildly that their pendulum so swung so wildly on this side that now they're the first to have it swing back the other way. But you are starting to see it seep into a few other sectors here and there, and I think. Um, I think what'll be really interesting, and I think Bart makes a good point. I think for the for the audience out there, understanding who your clients are in terms of industry and sector um, is really yeah. important because different segments of the economy are going to get hit at different times. It looks like it's not. It doesn't look like it's going to happen all at once. It's going to be different pieces of it as we sort of whether it's the interest rates making their way through the the economy or or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's a great point, point. and knowing where where your clients, you know, whether you're vertically focused or you, you know, you you deal kind of more wide spectrum, where are they in the, in the life cycle of this thing? Right. Yeah. 
and, and what does that mean for you as a service provider? Because ultimately we're all in the service business. So, yeah. you know, does it mean they're laying people off um, prematurely and they're still going to need to do all this work and they're eventually going to hire agencies? Yeah. Maybe. Um, or are they going to try to insource more and, and just yeah. not spend externally? Like you just, it, it's hard. You it, This is where like leaning on like, and I think, you know, this is not something junior salespeople can just roll out of bed and learn. You just got to do it by being out there and doing it and listening to your clients and seeing trends. You really got to lean on your experience to know who to reach out to, how you're going to get a pulse inside your clients and figure out yeah. the writing on the wall and get that kind of back channel that normally yeah. people only care about in the RFP process. I think it's way more important when they're an existing client in year five <laughs> and a recession hits, you need that information way more. Yeah. Um, Trying to figure out where the puck is going is, is going to be probably a lot more important. I was having this conversation earlier where, you know, the last few years in terms of, you know, in the digital agency space, you could go to a client and say, you need technology and you need a website. And they would go, of course we do. It's digital transformation and we're in the pandemic. And of course we need a website. So go build me a website. And I think now like everything's been architected and built and now everybody's taking a look at what they have and going, well, we know we need to make improvements, uh, but we're not just going to throw money at the solution every single time. I think value prop and ROI are going to become much more, much more back in vogue for salespeople as they pitch than maybe it had been the last couple of years, where it was just like, you need technology so badly. You don't really even care right now about ROI. You just need it. You don't have it and you need it. Yeah. And now that you have it, it's like, what are you going to do to optimize it? Are you seeing something similar to that? Yes. But I, I also think it's, it's a, you're describing it it's not really a, a symptom it's an after effect of the fact that as much as the three of us hate to say it we're all getting older which means the people that are in seats of power at our on the client side are way more tech savvy than they were 5 10 15 20 years ago right yeah. so they all they literally like were born with an iphone in their hand um so you know whereas it, i was making the joke with someone the other day like I now have people that we've done work for and 10 years later, they're retiring. It's not like they got another job and they went somewhere. Maybe they're going to take you with them. <laughs> yeah. Peace out. I'm golfing. It was great working with you. I will never see you again. Cause I'm never going to open LinkedIn again. Right. Like, right. so now you've got like this, you know, this, this younger turnover where, um, you know, maybe you've got someone who was in a, uh, a mid-level role that's now an SVP or maybe approaching a C-level, their demands on you qualifying why they should make that purchase um, as a salesperson, the bar is going to be much higher to prove the value. Well, wait a minute. Like, you know, um, you're telling me I need all this stuff. Yeah, but like, you know, I know enough about WordPress and it doesn't sound like it should be that expensive. You know, hmm. da, 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 da. like you know, objection handling is going to be different. It's not going to yeah. be just justifying the spend. It's going to be justifying the tactics you're using, the ROI, the long-term value. You know, we've had conversations like really intelligent and fun conversations of late with clients where they know upfront they're going to have to make a bigger spend than they want to make in a calendar or fiscal year. But they also are smart enough to know that digital is the front door to your whole organization. And it's going to last if you build it well. 
multiple years. So you can amortize that cost over multiple years. So the spend can be justified. So I think, it, you know, maybe we're just swapping one set of vernacular and, and you know, objection handling for some new stuff, but it's definitely going to change. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the demand for what we for what this community does is going anywhere on the client side. I think the the speed at which decisions are made to go go build. Yes, yes, Mm -hmm. green light. Yes, signature. Yeah, I think that process. um, Oh yeah, is slowing down. That seems to be what we're seeing. I was telling. I was telling uh, Bart yesterday uh, when we were recording, you know, we have a client and again, and this goes back to sector specific stuff too. I think if you have enterprise clients in tech right now, right? So they're cutting, they're cutting everywhere they're cutting. And we have, we have, we have a, cl- a client who's like a half a trillion dollar market cap client whose CFO is literally, is literally having every contract, no matter the size of the contract, cross their desk before they go ahead and give the green light. That's where we're, that's where we're at right now. Right. So yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I think that's really, can you, um, you know, as you look at the landscape and you sort of describe it, um, can you maybe talk about a couple of strategies or tactics that, that, you know, you think might be effective or that from your experience, maybe pre pandemic when there was a little bit more of the in-person stuff. Um, yeah. can you talk a little bit about how you approach that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's, um, you know, going back a little bit to what I said earlier, I think it's important to just put it in perspective of what everyone's been through in the last three years. You know, we we went from March of 2020, where involuntarily, everyone as you know it, for the most part, except for maybe a dude that works on a construction site, was working remotely. Um, and we all lived and breathed in this Zoom box for several months. About a year later, you had the outburst of Zoom fatigue. Nobody wanted to be in this little box anymore, but we still couldn't quite be in person. So, so then like, how are you talking to people if you can't see them in the little digital box? And how do you figure that out? To now, like I said, you know, I think last summer and more so that the start of this year, more and more clients are in the office a couple of days a week. Um, you know, uh, they're, they're more open to maybe taking a lunch, getting a coffee, having you come by the office, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, when I think about that, I think there's a unique opportunity. There were a handful of shops that I know that, that really leaned in probably a year, year and a half ago, like really premature uh, to, to most other people on saying, you know, we're going to make it our differentiation point. We're going to go meet everybody in person because nobody is traveling. Right. And, and, you know, kudos to them. I it just, I don't think all of our clients are ready for it. I don't think all but of our I staff think, was ready for it. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and some staff might still might not be ready for it. Right. Um, you know, we're planning our first team offsite um, in May. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I, have, I haven't, I haven't seen our full team in person since 2019, which is crazy. Is, is, That's, is crazy. Insane. That's insane. So when, when I think about, you know, the combination of pre pandemic and then also my history working in music and promoting things on a much more hand to hand tactical level, like, when we used to do music events, I'm, I'm going to totally date myself here. Like in 1998 and 1999, my job was you do a full day's work from 10 to 6 or 10 to 7 in the office at the music marketing company. You go grab a bite to eat and then you take a backpack full of flyers for the next event that you're doing. And you go to a couple record stores, a couple bars, you put them out. Then you go outside like the nightclubs in the meatpacking district and you stand there till three in the morning, getting people as they come out completely bleary eyed. Um, 
and, and you're, you're talking to them and making eye contact and saying, hey, got an event coming up, you know, here's blah, 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 boom, you hit them with a flyer, that kind of thing. It's like thinking like old school like that. I think now you've got ways you can be really creative and stand out. And they're not like mind blowing things here. Take the opportunity to force your way up to see a client in person. Why do you want to do that? What did the Zoom box not allow us to do? When you're walking through the hallway with your client, you get to see everybody else that's working there. The likelihood that they're going to introduce you to someone or someone's going to pop into the conference room when you're talking Mm -hmm. is like exponentially higher. And all of that connective tissue of like having that, you know, random happenstance meeting that turns into a connection that you can then do something with, like that was gone in the the Zoom era. Um, So really leaning into things like that. Phone call, we were talking, um, you know, earlier this week, I was talking to someone about, you know, how do you do outbound outreach to people that you've, you've never met before? And there's a whole bunch of, you know, different things you can do there. But, you know, these days, you know, phone calls and actually not looking at a screen when you're talking, in my mm-hmm. opinion, to some people of a certain age is a highly enviable thing to have happen in their life. Um, to not have to think about where are my eyes going, but just be able to focus on a voice and a conversation. So, you know, find a head office number, call, you know, can I speak to so-and-so on the marketing team? Great. They're not there. You leave the 30 to 60 second voicemail at the end of the voicemail. You say, I'm going to follow up with an email. You send them with an email that says, Hey, left you a quick voicemail. Just want to see if we can schedule some time. You're also reviewing their LinkedIn. So now you've got three touch points across Mm -hmm voicemail and email, LinkedIn, and hopefully you get to see them in person. You're now at your fourth touch point. Like doing these things to manufacture the in-person as much as possible, I, I think is like just like such a must this year for people yeah. that are selling, particularly in the service industry. It's ironic as we get more and more technologically savvy that the thing that still converts is analog. It is, it is being in the room yeah, uh, and, and sharing that energy, right? We talk a lot about aligned expectations as uh, a, a key metric of success. That's really hard to like, it's really hard to make tangible and tactile. It's something that you can feel because it doesn't have a number on it, you know? And I think this yeah. is one of those, this is one of those things. Um, we talk a lot about, we, we, we recorded an episode a while ago. We were talking about sales and we were talking about, um, how important it is to educate and engage clients, especially when you're selling them technology. And, and you're making a good point that yes, the buyers are getting a bit younger. Um, so they are more technologically savvy. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they all know how to code or that they understand the effort that goes into building or doing what, mm-hmm. what digital agencies do. Um, but they understand tech, let's just say a little bit better. Um, how do you, how do you go about educating? And um, when I when I talk about engagement, what I really am trying to say is, I think one of the hardest things to do in the world is sell technology because you're selling something that is expensive to strangers who don't understand really what you're selling, right? So yeah. you, there's a lot of barriers there, and you guys have a really hard job. Um, education and engagement are 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 things that can break down those barriers for the for the clients. You educate them on the technology or your, or how you deliver and all those things, but also getting them to kind of come back and engage with you instead of it being all kind of sales 
sales, sales, sales. So how do you make it feel more organic? How do you get them to sort of engage? Yeah, uh, it's a really good, really good question. I think it uh, it plays into a lot of the, you know, lead vetting that we all need to do up front anytime something comes through the door. And what I mean by that is not only finding, you know, what is the tech maturity of the client and what do they already know mm-hmm. and where can we fill gaps, but also are we talking to the people that are going to make the decision to actually hire you versus the person who's been tasked with getting five qualified agencies to break their back on right. putting a proposal in. Right. Right. So if you can, you can figure out, okay, I'm talking to, you know, Susie here and, and Stanley and Pam are actually the real decision makers. How quick can I get a phone call with Stanley and Pam and figure out their tech maturity level and all of that. But you know, the, the overarching piece in all of this though, is, is listening. We, James and I, our CEO, we were on a call earlier today and we had a prospect where, you know, meeting them in a week or so. And, you know, this is early days and I've met them once in person. And she said, Hey, you know, and James hadn't met her before. And she said, you know, Adam's done a really good job just listening to us. We had two other shops come in that told us all the stuff we needed before we even told them what we wanted. Mm. And it's, you know, you know, the, the cliche of, you know, if you, if you shut your trap as a salesperson long enough, the client will tell you what they need. And then it's your job to appropriately fill the gaps and show where you can add value and coach them. The tools that we use, you know, we'll, we'll take, you know, we're doing a much better job now as an organization writing thought leadership and insight articles that not only reinforce mm-hmm. our positioning, but really talk about common issues that our clients see all the time, whether it's an SEO issue, a content strategy issue, um, more technical things with Gutenberg and WordPress, those kinds of things. So just again, paying attention to the cues they're giving you, you know, where are we, where are we going to have to really help them more than an average project? Maybe it's the content lift. Okay, great. So I've, I've got a piece here that I think they might enjoy um, in getting them those things. But really listening and, and picking up on cues of what people need. Um, being able to shut up is such a uh, – <laughs> it is such a skill, and I'm, I'm still bad at it, but um, – But also, like, yeah. shut up, like, extensively do it, like – on purpose long like actually just stop talking like uncomfortably do it Um, like when you do that like that breath thing when someone's still talking and you're like i'm gonna jump in right now hold your breath right just hold your breath yep there's a thing um, you don't need to talk there's (laughs) a thing in like theater for actors that's called they talk talk about active listening and and that's the best the best actors you know, they don't really even pay attention to the script. If they're really just paying attention to the person who they're acting with, then they're just really they're just really responding yeah. to, to to the other person because they're so intently listening. And and you make such a great point. I think I'm stealing this from somebody because I heard this the other day and I really liked it. And it's not new, I'm sure. But somebody said something like, "With clients, um, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care." And I thought that was That's really great. really good. And they're never going to know how much you care if you're talking all the time. So I think yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a great point, Adam. Um, well, and, and, and whether you care or not is usually not something you can convey on your website. Like they can look at your website and go, oh, yeah, they, they design great responsive front end sites that are super performant and achieve all my SEO goals. Yeah. They have no idea if you care that they're a nonprofit that does X, Y and Z. And you've worked right. with four others that actually meet the same needs. Um, yeah. 
They'll, they'll never know that unless you. That's where that word empathy gets thrown out a lot. And I think, unfortunately, it gets misinterpreted in, into like the traditional uh, definition of empathy, which is highly like around emotional empathy. But this is really about, you know, in, in this in this scenario, this is about business empathy, right? Really understanding who mm -hmm. they are, what their needs are, why they want this piece of technology, what this piece of technology is going to mean for them, their people, their stakeholders, their clients, not just their numbers in the bottom line, but how's it going to impact other human beings? And to your point, right. this whole thing is about that that human experience um, and tying that in. Talking really quickly about education um, and, and talking about more more tech savvy clients. Um, one of the things that that I know we run into a lot is is yes yes they are more tech savvy, um, but one thing that I'm I, I personally remain pretty stringent on is clients are the least educated people in the room to tell you how much it should cost. Can you talk to us a little bit about budgeting and effort versus client expectations around those things and how wow. you sort of bridge that gap? <clears throat> wow, that's a whole do a whole show on that. I know, I know. Yeah, I mean it's. Well, yeah, we'll bring I mean, you back, so, Adam. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, which piece of the onion do we want to peel back? I mean, um, yeah, there's a lot to tackle there. So, you know, first and foremost, let's just take it from, I mean, let's just keep it focused on the salesperson perspective. The sooner um, you can get Stanley and Pam to show some of their cards on what they think is an appropriate budget for something, the sooner you're going to know what you're dealing with. Like, are you really going to have to de-scope your expectations on what you can deliver to be inside of a really adjusted budget? Um, or are they going to say, hey, well, you know, as long as we're under seven figures, we're good. And then you're like, okay, now now we've got some breathing room. We can we can do all the polish and sparkles that, that you want. Um, does Expand the Room do a, do a variety of different types of contracts or does it really try to focus on more T&M or more fixed or more retainer? Yeah, I mean, well, we've got our purpose-driven design process is really aimed on three key phases. So it's, it's strategy, which is all of the discovery things that you would expect that an agency would do in strategy. Uh, but we really use that. I'd say that's the part that as a salesperson, I am most comfortable selling that as a fixed bid body of work because mm -hmm. If I've had two or three conversations with a client, and I'll give major kudos to to James, our CEO, on this, something I've I've definitely learned and picked up, it, unique to his style, that he's got patience on this piece that most other people don't. He'll force like a fourth and fifth conversation with someone before a proposal, um, to just keep asking questions, and letting people talk to you more and more to just kind of give you a little more context. And like those little extra details can sometimes really, really, you know, sure. be the difference in, in what your proposal is going to be. So, yeah, I mean, our, our discovery engagements, you know, whether they're four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks plus, depending on what you feel the size of the project going to be. Those are things I feel confident in, in fixed bidding. Um, and then from there, our phase two implementation, that can be a whole lot of things that can come out of discovery. Um, mm -hmm. So you asked about, you know, deal structure. Most of my like net new, like first time client deals go like this. Phase one discovery, we're going to spend six weeks doing these tactics. The outcome is going to be a readout with requirements with, you know, pretty high fidelity that we're going to know what you want to build. From there, mm -hmm. it can be a choose your own adventure thing. We can come back to you for everything in that requirements list and give you the full Lamborghini budget and tell you what it's going to cost. You can choose to say, hey, I have a Lamborghini budget. Let's go. Great. Now I'm writing phase two. We're going off into the sunset. That almost never happens. Uh, most times people go, love the Lamborghini. I want to get there next year. 
but I can do a BMW Series 3. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're kind of carving things back. And now your phase two is a defined set of features. Um, you're writing it. But what I love about doing the, you know, always doing the pie in the sky discovery is as much as possible, we want to give them a roadmap and, and something aspirational to see what this could become if we did everything. Right. Yeah. And, and really demonstrate, like, we heard you say this. And like, these are the challenges we heard you say, and, and this is how we think you can meet those objectives and, and, and opt and get past all those goals. Um, because then, you know, if you have a successful phase two in phase three of our process, the growth and optimization phase, that can be maintenance. It can be creative services. We can, you know, dust off that roadmap and go, Hey, you know what, if we put a new fender on this thing, man, you're going to have a Lamborghini. Um, and that becomes your 2024 deal. Um, where you're doing the next phase of the project. So that's, that's how most of our projects work. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're very fortunate. We've had clients that, you know, have worked with us six, seven, 10 years and are just retainer based, which I think is, is more in line with the way BART works. Um, and when they've got the ability to have access to our team, excuse me, and do things on the fly uh, in a much more relaxed way. Right. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, Adam. Uh we have one more last question, which we'll ask every guest, and we ask each other every single week. What are you Love currently obsessed? Ah, what are you currently obsessed with? This oh, could be like man. podcast, movie, book, whatever. Doesn't matter. TV. It could be literally. What are you obsessed with? All right, I've got two. The first one's lame. I'm going to say it anyway because I'm late to it. But I I was up late one night, and Apple TV's got this series for all mankind, which uh, is based. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. Cool. No. But yeah, the, the whole premise is uh, it's like the 60s space race. And it's what if the Soviet Union landed on the moon first? And like, okay. what would the, you know, what would the future look like after that? And it's, uh, it's pretty entertaining and fun. Um, the second one I've got to live up to being um, left of Karl Marx um, <laughs> is, is a, another podcast, um, not competition with you guys whatsoever, uh, called Blowback. Um, and they, they basically take a look at, uh, American foreign policy and, you know, how those things can, can blow back in our faces. And they've done three seasons, they did a, Iraq, they've done Cuba, and then they just did Korea, which was outstanding. And I think uh, this summer they're dropping Afghanistan, which, um, I'm sure will be a riveting listen, but it is one of the most well-researched and insanely addictive podcasts I've, I've ever listened to. Uh, they do a really good job. Nice. I have to check that out. Interesting. That'd be yeah. awesome. Well, Adam, so shooting, shooting down balloons will make it on there at some point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the podcast writes itself at this point. Yeah, pretty. Well. <laughs> they have a lot of content for the past two months. Yeah. <laughs> got plenty of plenty of runway. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Adam, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you so much for coming to, uh, and joining us. This was great. Really great. That's thank great. you. As a first guest, me, I really appreciate it. It's awesome. Well, First thank guest. you again, uh, and we'll see you guys next week with another awesome guest, we think. Maybe. We shall see. Bye. Take care, everybody.